0: The Undrafted free Agent.com Mid-Major Podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugan's it. Oh my! Brzdekis with another steal, spots up for three this time, and drains it. Ignis Brazdekis. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up, Keyshawn for three, and there it is, Keyshawn Bartholomew, you don't want to let him heat up, all day, Kyler Filovich. they can't stop him, Moncrief, sneaks in the back door, hammers it down, Matthew Alexander Moncrief,
1: ooh. Welcome to episode
0: two. Of the undrafted free agent mid-major podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee, as usual. Today I'm joined by John Hooper. You may know him better as SoCon John. He's covered the Southern Conference for Mid-Major Madness since 2015. You can follow his work on Twitter at SoCon John22. That's J-O-H-N, or at midmajormadness.com. John, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it.
1: It's great to be here. And it's you know, it's great to to be able to, to talk basketball again. I mean, um you know, we, we get caught up a lot in this football world, um, but, you know, with everything going on and with COVID, you know, now just getting back to, to normalcy, so to speak, it's it's nice to be able to talk about basketball. And it was really a different season. Um, I know you experienced the same thing in, 20, in 2021, um, really throughout college basketball. But I think, you know, it had probably affected mid-majors a little bit more than maybe even some of the major conferences.
0: So the Southern Conference, obviously, I got SoCon John here on the pod. We're going to go through the Southern Conference and talk a little bit about last year and preview, you know, who's coming in, who's leaving, coaching changes, transfers, and who we expect to win. So, you know, you talked about UNC Greensboro, 21-9 and last year. They won it, but the Southern Conference was one of those conferences like I mean you could make an argument it was one of the top three most competitive top to bottom there was literally seven or eight teams that had a chance to win you know there was points of the season where I'm looking going okay this is Chattanooga's gonna get it and then there was about two weeks where VMI got hot Mercer looked good Wofford, you know looked good down the stretch Furman was in the mix it was so up and down you know what do you think kind of pushed UNC Greensboro over the edge
1: You know, it was really interesting. I think um, one of the things that I think that was the the real, I guess, key ingredient for them in the championship run that they were able to have was defensively because they weren't particularly a good shooting basketball team. Uh, Isaiah Miller, while he was a great scorer, quick off the dribble, um, you know, he just recently signed a contract with the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's a guy that, that was not a noted um, perimeter threat, and they really didn't have one outside of Angelo Allegri. Um, so that was one of the interesting things about UNC Greensboro is the fact that they were able to overcome uh, that missing factor as far as a, a perimeter threat, and, and they weren't one of the better shooting teams from the perimeter in the SOCON or you know just from the field but they played well enough to defensively and had a, a rim protector in Hayden Koval, who has who recently transferred to Cincinnati. Um, and prior to that, they had a guy named James Dickey who, who um, graduated a couple of years ago, but they've always had a guy that, that was kind of um, the anti-SOCON center, if you will, uh, a guy that was an, a rim protector and a guy that you had to account for even though he wasn't necessarily a great offensive player. Um, but Koval, you know, I think he's gonna finish in like the top 10 or top five in, in college basketball history and block shots. So um, you know, I think that that was a difference for them. And they, the way they kind of slowed down the game with their, you know two, one two press and they made you they made you take advantage and, and really maximize your possessions. Um, and really made you to put pressure on you to score when you slow down the game like that, I think that that was a big factor um, that they were so uh, such a contrast to everyone else in the league. I think that was what ended up leading um, the Spartans and West Miller um, on the bigger and better things, obviously now being at Cincinnati, but he was able to to get them over the hump for the second time in I think four years. so, um, you know, UNCG is a is is going to be good again, but but it'll be interesting to see how they fare under a new head coach and Mike uh, Mike Jones, who comes over from Radford, and he's a guy that that had some success at a place that didn't have a lot of success prior to to him getting there, you know, and and, and was on probation and and some things there, and and it's a real similar scenario to what UNC Greensboro was you know, right during the the end of the Mike DeMint era, when Wes Miller got there, you know, they, there wasn't a lot of tradition. Wes Miller made a lot of that tradition at UNC Greensboro. So it's going to be interesting to see um, if, if he can carry over that success and, and kind of have the the same elixir that he had at Radford and, and be able to apply that at UNC Greensboro.
0: So of all the, you know, I mentioned there was literally seven teams that had a shot at, at winning the SOCON you know, and and UNC Greensboro gets it done. Of that other pack behind him, one team you think maybe kind of, you know, kind of choked or maybe I would say choked or just kind of left something on the table, had an opportunity to maybe to get it, but uh, just kind of faltered late.
1: I think Furman was a little bit disappointing in in the fact that they returned four starters, um, guys that were, you know, kind of experienced, mature guys that were, had been dependable and, and um, they only graduated, they graduated, the, the lone player was Jordan Lyons, who was their leading scorer the previous year. Yeah, they brought back, um, you know, Clay Mounts, Noah Gurley, um, Jalen Lawson and obviously Alex Hunter. So those were four guys that had won a lot of games uh, in the previous, you know, four year four or five years. And I, I think that You know, a lot of people had them kind of winning the league just on paper because of what they had returning. And, uh, you know, they they didn't have a bad season by any stretch of the imagination, but it wasn't uh, the season that, you know, obviously Bob Ritchie would have hoped that he would have come up with uh, with that type of talent returning. Um, And I think that, you know, not having a lot of those – Big time opponents and not being able to schedule some of those games in the non-conference really affected them a little bit. Uh, They had to play some more non-Division One type opponents. And and then you had to mix in with your mid-majors and, you know, some of your uh, Power Five programs. And there weren't, there wasn't as much of a, I think teams look at the non-conference schedule a lot different around the league. And I think Furman's one of those that that kind of prepares their non-conference schedule for uh, Southern Conference play. And and they've prided themselves on that. And they weren't really able to do that last year. And uh, they had a couple of guys that stepped up late, Noah Gurley being one of them who transferred since to Alabama. Um, he's a guy that that really started to come on late in the season, but they kind of faltered there in the Southern Conference tournament against VMI and blew about a 12 point lead with I think, four minutes left in that game, and uh, VMI ended up, I think, ending the game on a a 12-0 run to force overtime and then ultimately ended the game winning in overtime. So a disappointing season for for Furman, I think, a little bit disappointing for East Tennessee State as well. Um, Jason Shea takes over uh, for Steve Forbes. Obviously, that was always going to be a tall ask for him. Um, but he did have a a couple of great players and Ty Brewer and Ladarius Brewer. They, they come over from, um, two different, yeah, I guess, teams out of the Ohio Valley conference. And they, then they were really, I'm I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ladarius came from Southeast Missouri State and Ty Brewer came from, um, Southeast Louisiana, which is in the Southland, I believe. Um, so. Those are two players that that were kind of a package deal that helped them come in and and really be competitive and and kind of make up for the guys they lost. And and Williamson, who transferred to Wake Forest, um, the guys that Patrick Good, who um, called it a career and then all of a sudden now he's back at Winthrop. So um, they lost a lot of pieces from a, a team that won 30 games, but they still had a lot of talent back, and and they were able to parlay that into a, an upper echelon, finishing the Southern Conference, able to get to the semifinals, but ultimately just didn't have a, enough scoring punch to get them over the top in the semifinals against UNC Greensboro. But um, there was some off-the-court stuff that happened with them, obviously in the offseason with with Coach uh, Jason Shea, who's now moved on to be an assistant at Wake Forest. They went out and and kind of did a good job of managing the damage that could have been done um, due to the -the off-the-court issues. Um, And and they went out and made a good hire in Desmond Oliver, a a guy that learned under Rick Barnes at at Tennessee. And he's going to build that program to where it's going to be a little bit different than when Steve Forbes and Jason Shea were there. They're not going to be as reliant on Juco talent. They're going to try to develop players much like you would see maybe at a Wofford or a Furman and, and get, try to get four year guys in there rather than, than just make it about JUCOs and, and you know transfers. Because if you don't know what you're doing with – what I've learned is if you don't know what you're doing with, when you bring bringing in JUCOs and a lot of transfers, you can end up in an identity crisis. And I think that a lot of that's what happened. If you saw a few years ago at, at Mercer – when, when Bob Hoffman kind of started going away from what Mercer had been doing um, and, and the success they had been having in developing players and trying to tra- take those transfers in. And, and if you don't know exactly um, the waters you're navigating, I think that you can run into some problems. So it'll be interesting to see what Desmond Oliver does at ETSU because I think he's, he's, got, uh, he's gotten off to a good start, especially in the recruiting uh, aspect of things.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get to some of the new recruits and signings and transfers in there in a minute. Um, But I just kind of wanted to go through some of the, you know, some of the top two or three transfers coming into the conference right now. Um, And as well, you know, maybe there's a couple key guys leaving, you know, Stone Murphy, we'll we'll get to some of that. But just give me two or three key transfers coming into the conference. And then what we'll do following that is we'll run through each of the kind of key six or seven teams that are going to be at the top of the conference this year. We'll go through it. So um, you mentioned the coaching changes already with, with Mike Jones coming in um, but just some of the key transfers you think that are going to have the biggest impact in the SoCon this year.
1: Well, I think, you know, two of those guys will be coming to Chattanooga. I think Silvio D'Souza from Kansas, a six, nine forward, had some off the court issues up at Kansas. um, But uh, a lot of people will remember him more more notoriously for the Kansas State game and the the whole fight that ensued in that game a couple of years ago. But a really good player, uh, six nine guy that can score in the paint and and he's really you know I, I mentioned that with James Dickey earlier uh, with with UNCG. He's kind of the the anti Socon type big man. He's the guy that can go in and athletic enough to finish at the rim. You know, and, and a guy that not a lot of these programs have a lot of these teams in this league are guard oriented, but he's a big man that can score consistently and, and could have a really big year in this league. Another guy that they have coming in is a 6'10 center out of Central Florida and Avery Diggs, a guy that, you know, will come in and, and he's going to be a grad transfer. He'll have one year of eligibility and, and he'll come in and make an immediate impact for them and 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 I think you know if you look around the league I think Conley Garrison's a guy that comes into firm and he's a division 2 guy comes from Drury University is all Great Lakes conference player I think three times over average 17 points a game a, a really good shooter he'll he'll give them some depth at point guard and and maybe you be able to play him and Alex Hunter at the same time give them two ball handlers on the court and two effective scorers from the outside so He's a guy that I kind of look at as, you know, maybe the under-the-radar type guy. And then Sanford's made some interesting signings, um, you know, in Bucky McMillan's second year as the head coach. Hughes Glover comes over from Florida, a guy that was recruited by East Tennessee State and Furman prior to, to going to Florida. And, and um, I think he was also recruited heavily by Tennessee. And I think he's a guy. And then there's a freshman, Wesley Cardet Jr., who is a four-star recruit. Um, his dad's actually on the staff at Sanford. So we'll be interested to see what he'll do. Um, one of the higher profile, you know, freshman recruits that have come into the league in quite some time. Um, and I, I expect him to make an impact right away. And, you know, he had something like 31 division one offers or something and, and Duke and, and, you know, you name it, we're, we're among them. So. That's a real interesting signing and Sanford was a team that finished last last year. so adding these two guys is really, really fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, nowhere to go but up for Sanford, you know losing to a D3 team.
1: The weird thing was they had um, they ended up beating Belmont. Belmont's one of their two regular season losses was you know to Sanford, but that Sanford had a lot of guys that were didn't make it through the season got you know kicked off, injured, whatever. For whatever reason, and and they were a completely different team by the time they got into conference play. Also, were hit hard by COVID, um, so they were a completely different team by the time they got into conference play. than you know some of the the successes they may have had early, you know, they were really all over the place in the non conference schedule. So uh, I'll be interested to see you know what they do. Um, they they press all over the place, and and they're kind of more in that VCU mold of what we've seen and and they want to score points at, you know, defense may not be their, their forte. They just want to get possessions.
0: So let's go through some of the teams, you know, you've mentioned some of these guys, but we'll go through it. So we'll start with last year's champ UNC Greensboro. You mentioned Isaiah Miller, who was the SoCon player of the year. SoCon defensive player of the year and uh, undrafted, but did sign with the, the the Minnesota Timberwolves in the NBA, went to summer league and now he's got himself a deal. So I mean, they lose the best player in the conference, um, they still return Keyshawn Langley, 10 points a game, a couple of the new signings coming in. So kind of how do you see things shaping out for UNC Greensboro uh, heading into 21, 22?
1: I think they have talent. I just think there's a little bit of a drop off coming because, uh, you know, one of the things that West Miller system was at, uh, enabled them to do is kind of make up and compensate for that lack of perimeter shooting. They're going to have to find guys that can shoot from the perimeter without an Angelo Allegri and, You know, I think it's going to be difficult for them. Now, they do bring in an an interesting transfer from Cal State Bakersfield and DeMonte Buckingham, who, you know, I think he had uh, double-digit, double-figure games last year, and he's a guy that can come in and play right away. Uh, Keyshawn Langley is another guy you mentioned. Um, You know, he was up and down as a shooter. Uh, He's so quick off the dribble. Um, that he can he can kind of get to the the rack and really draw fouls and, and get to the free throw line that'll be key for them I think if it's, if you know, fouls drawn and getting to the free throw line if you can be aggressive you can kind of make up for that lack of, of a perimeter threat um, and, and there are some guys I think that you know will come in Kyrie Thompson's a guy that was really improved. Um, I think he's a former walk on he's, he's a guy that, I think is could could be a player for them that, that steps up and maybe makes a a, a leap to where he's a, a double digit scoring guy. Um, my, uh, Muhammad Abdul Salam is a, a big guy in the underneath. Um, he's proven to be a, you know a a really good rebounding uh, guy around, especially on the offensive end. I think he's a guy that can score around the rim. Um, so if they can get production from him. And, and maybe some, uh, maybe him being stepping in and being a rim protector like uh, those that came before him, like Koval and, and James Dickey before that, they could be a, an upper echelon team. But I had them actually probably in the four to six range as far as finishing in the league. I still think they're, they're in line for that uh, buy that would get them out of the first day of the Southern Conference tournament. But I think they'll have a little bit of a drop-off just because of Losing a guy like Isaiah Miller, who did so much for them, especially defensively, if you look at 74 steals, I think he led the SOCON in steals all four years and, and ended up, I believe, uh, second all time in Southern Conference history in steals.
0: Yeah, that's going to be, you know, a backbreaker Losing a guy with that kind of talent, you know even when when Duke loses an NBA guy they have a little bit of a drop off never mind you know UNC Greensboro right so um, we'll get to Wofford you know this is a team that a lot of us even the the casual college basketball fan has become familiar with over the past couple years Um, you know getting to the tournament a couple years ago they go 15 and 9 12 and 5 in conference they lose Storm Murphy who's been one of my favorite players in college basketball over the past couple years he's transferred to Virginia Tech first team all conference guy so where does Wofford go next year losing essentially their best player
1: well they lose him and they lose um you know Trey Hollowell another guy that's that's decided to to go back closer to home and he'll be going back to, to Moorhead State um in his home state of Kentucky
0: yeah that's a really good team so
1: so not not a bad move by him but I also, I also think that Wofford you know while they lose those guys it, it's a little bit different for them than it is say for UNC Greensboro because they have enough shooters. Uh, returning to the fold, you know, and you've got, uh, you know, you've got a the ultimate glue guy in, in a, a Ryan Larson, a guy that, you know, is always defensively so sound. And, and you've got, also, you've got a guy like Morgan Safford, who was a great um, defensive guard, I think, you know, he was an all-freshman player a year ago. He He's a guy that can can score and um up and down a little bit as a shooter but but a pretty good player max klezman's another guy that's a really good shooter um and they've made some additions as far as uh in in the paint last year bj mack a guy that came over from south florida uh transfer that that can step out and, and hit some you know perimeter type shots I, mean, I remember a game against uh east tennessee state last year he had a the game winning shot from the top of the key with about I think five seconds left in a in a key game for them early in the conference schedule. So uh they've got kind of a nice mix of inside out of uh, Sam Goblin's another guy that that can can kind of step out and, and hit uh, the you know the perimeter shot as well as go in the paint and score in the paint. So uh they've got a nice Jay McCauley has a nice mix of, of players coming uh, back this year and Messiah Jones you get more at so much more out of he, he. I know he's only about six four, but he plays like he's six eight because he's so powerful in the paint and he's so athletic. And he's a guy that if he if he's so strong, he he doesn't get to the rim. He, he's going to draw a foul. And he's a pretty effective free throw shooter. So he's a guy that's that's probably going to end up on you know one of the all conference teams uh, come come uh, March before the Southern Conference tournament.
0: You know, I'm a play-by-play announcer. I do Orangeville Prep, the number one high school team in Canada. We talked about Jamal Murray uh, with the Denver Nuggets out of that. Lugans Dort, Oklahoma City, uh, O'Shea Brissett, Indiana Pacers. Um, Ignis Brze, uh, Orlando Magic, bunch of guys. But that Messiah Jones, man, I wish you could call his name. Like that's that's like a play-by-play announcer's dream. Like yeah. Messiah Jones. Hey Messiah, yes. I love that. So we'll talk about, you know, your Furman 16 and 9 last year, 10 and 5 in conference. You mentioned Conley Garrison, the D2 transfer. Now a lot of people say, Oh, D2, wow. Well, hey, go ask Winthrop how their D2 transfer worked out and Chandler Vaudrin. Yes. Um, so there are guys from D2 that can come up and be be really good.
1: Yeah, interesting thing about Conley Garrison Furman doesn't take a lot of transfers unless it's the right fit. Um, his girlfriend actually, or fiance goes goes to Furman, so um, it was a natural transition for him to to come in as a grad uh, transfer. And um, I think he got married over the summer, so. Um, congratulations to him, and but I think Furman's got a pretty good nucleus. If you look at their recruiting class, who they brought in, J.P. Um, Pegues is a, a player out of Nashville, is a three-star recruit. Um, he's a, a point guard, kind of, he can play also wing. Um, he's a guy that could make an immediate impact. Um, James Respass Risp- Risp- is a 6'10 center, uh, that will add some depth in the paint, and and they obviously lost some some depth with the, the transfer of Noah Gurley to Alabama, and Jalen Slosson is back. He he's a guy that that when he's really playing uh, at his highest level, as you saw against College of Charleston and Charleston Southern last year, um, he could be a guy that that is a you know, a real force in, in the SoCon. The Thing thing about him, I think, is there were too many inconsistencies where he would have a really big night, a double-double type night. A really skilled guy can pass out of the post as well, um, but but wouldn't follow that up necessarily with the, the, a great night the next night. So if he can do that on more of a consistent basis, I think they the coaching staff really expects big things out of him this year. And, and perhaps he made uh, more of a gain in the offseason than any other player. Um, so um, just some murmurings from the coaching staff during the offseason was he was pretty much their leader um, over the preseason practices and in camps this summer so um, looking for big things from him obviously you know what you get with Alex Hunter uh, he's going to finish in you know the top 10 in school history and and assist and he's going to be you know right there in in three-point shooting as well so um, he was a consistent score that they really hadn't had in, in his previous three years he he was a guy that did, opted to take the COVID year and return um, and and I think that was big for Furman considering that they lost Noah Gurley uh, to Alabama and to to kind of counteract that with with Alex Hunter returning as big and Mike Bothwell who was their leading scorer last year he's going to be an all-conference player he's He's a lot like, um, he reminds me a little bit of Tayshawn Prince. He used to play at Kentucky. Yeah. Just a really tough guy can, can beat you in a, a variety of different ways, but really strong guard and and um, can take it to the, to the rim and, and finish at the rim. And, and, and a lot of those times he can uh, strong enough to, to finish even when he gets fouled. So I think that's that's big for them. And he's, he's really taken on the mantle of leadership, really, uh, since his sophomore season. So I, I think he'll have a pretty big year.
0: So Chris McKee joined by John Hooper. You may know him as SoCon John. You can find him on Twitter at SoConJohn22. That's J-O-H-N. And he covers the Southern Conference for Mid-Major Madness and among other things he's doing. And so one of the teams that I love that I think certainly going to be in the conversation this year is Chattanooga. Uh, 18 and 8 last year, 9 and 7 in conference. They lost their last three games. There, there was, you know, a point I thought, okay, they're, they're going to get it done, and they kind of faltered late. But um, they returned 78.5 percent of their total scoring from a year ago. You mentioned the Kansas transfer, Silvio D'Souza, who's a former five-star guy. Um, just talk about how you see things playing out for Chattanooga because I, I think they're certainly going to be one of the top two teams in the in the conference.
1: They're my uh, league champion going into it on paper. They they return the most um, and, and they have a guy Malachi Smith uh, that that I think will be the player of the year when it th- all things are said and done. He was a guy that really came in and, and I think the first two and a half months of the season he had like a double double in 18 of his first 20 games or something crazy like that um, and, and he's a guy that that really gets them he's another guy like Messiah Jones you, you get more out of he he plays a lot bigger than he is and a lot stronger. You know he's he's a, he's very strong to be a guard, but just really goes after, uh, you know his shot and and goes after the rim. He's a great rebounder, and I think that you know he does so many things well. Um, he shoots the ball well from the outside. I think they've got a guy in Darius Banks that come can comes in and didn't play for the first half of last year and then kind of. Uh, as the season progressed, he he became more of a factor as as the season went along. And then you got a guy like AJ Caldwell, who's their glue guy. He's he's there, you know. Ryan Larson, we talked about at Wofford. He's a guy that can can make a shot in, in a situation when you need him to. He had a buzzer beater against East Tennessee State uh, in Johnson City last year. He's a really good player. He's he's mature, and I think he's the unquestioned leader along with. Uh, David John Baptiste, who um, is a guy that went into the transfer portal last year, and then two weeks later decided, you know, that it's probably best that he just stay at Chattanooga, especially after I think they got off to a nine and zero start, um, so which was their best since uh, starting into Division One basketball. And um, he's going to be a guy that I think is another All Conference player um, coming into the season.
0: So that's like one of those guys that says tells his wife, "I'm leaving you." And then she loses 15 pounds and looks like she did when she was 22 and says, you oh, know what? I think I still love you. Right.
1: You know what? You know, it. it the <laughs> grass ain't always greener on the other side, you know? So um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, uh, he, he, and I know it shocked his coach when, when he, he decided that all of a sudden he was going to transfer. I often wonder if these kids, you know, that was right when the transfer portal was getting big and I, you know, you don't know who's in these kids ear and, and telling them what to do. And then, all of a sudden, they realize. Wait, maybe I should just calm down for a second and consider that things are pretty good where I am. So we got
0: about five minutes left because this is I've only got about forty minutes recording on this Zoom. So just um, two teams I want to run through quickly. Uh, your thoughts on them because I think they're going to be in the mix as well. We talked a little East Tennessee State, thirteen and twelve last year, eight and seven. A uh, bit of a letdown from the previous year. But um, they signed a kid from Pickering, which is where I'm at right now, which is 30 minutes east of Toronto, Cordell Charles, who's at an IMG Academy. I called a couple of Cordell's games. He played at a school called Bill Carruthers, which is mm-hmm. one of the top prep schools up here. Um, but with no basketball, a lot of the good Canadian kids were going down to the U.S. So he was down at IMG. Uh, they got a kid, Jordan King, a transfer in from Siena. A couple other guys coming to Wichita State. So just quickly kind of East Tennessee State, and then we'll jump on to Mercer quickly after.
1: Uh, I think ETSU is, is an interesting um, story because I really, Ladarius Brewer is is a guy, they had a guy named Tyrus Wade back in the early 2000s who had some off the court issues and didn't end up uh, panning out. But ETSU fans will remember him because he was so athletic and, and kind of a, a rangy guy that could step out and shoot the you know the three and also take it baseline and dunk on you. And I feel like Ladarius Brewer is a lot like that type of player Um, and and he's he's really uh, he matured as the season went along last year Um, and he's a really I think a cerebral guy in that he can score in a lot of different ways Uh, he doesn't have to to hit the perimeter shot he doesn't have to be a guy that's always a slasher Um, he finds ways to to you know influence the game and be and affect the game when maybe things aren't initially going well for him in one area. So I think that's important. And, and Ty Brewer is a guy that, you know, obviously is his brother, and another tremendous athlete, a great rebounder. Silas Adiki is a guy that's from Nigeria, got great footwork. I actually asked him if he had any background in soccer, um, having grown up in Ni- you know, Nigeria, being such a big sport there, because it seems like a lot of the guys that come over from different countries that, that, that where soccer is a big influence, um, that they do have good footwork. And yeah, he, he did say that. And I, I think he's a guy that could really blossom into a, a very good big man in this league this year and had some great performances down the stretch last year. David Sloan's a, the point guard that um, transferred in from Kansas State last year a guy that you know he's kind of a really tough defender um and he takes good care of the basketball uh he, he had some struggles early on last year but really seemed to um adapt well as as conference play got going I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and you know you mentioned you know Cordell Charles I think he's a guy that that maybe is an under the radar guy but he'll he'll um He'll certainly produce in this league, and I think sooner rather than later, he'll be an impact player. So one
0: of the teams that I like, Mercer Bears. I mean, I had the chance to interview Greg Gary before the start of last year. Also, you know, we we talked on the phone over the weekend, and my son's a, a soccer player. He's committed to Algoma University here in Canada, but we went down to a soccer camp at Mercer. So I visited the campus down in Macon, Georgia. We drove from Toronto all the way down to Macon. And a got to school, for a couple of days, and uh, saw the campus, and was there for two days, and so kind of that was a team last year that I was kind of rooting for, and there were moments they, they you know they had a couple of good waves, and I think this is a team that certainly is going to be in the top three couple one of the big transfers, they got Jalen Johnson, kid that played at Tennessee um, and at Wake. And this kid I saw because when Tennessee was up in Toronto for the Hall of Fame Classic in 2019, I saw Jalen play in person. This kid's a nice player. And now add that to, you know, already a pretty good core group at Mercer. Um, just how do you see their season playing out?
1: I think Mercer's a very good team. I I was disappointed to see that they lost Leon Ayres. The third um, was a guy. I think he he transferred out to to Duquesne, but a very good uh, shooter and a very good player. He was a he was big in their conference run, title run last year. Felipe Jase, the the Chilean born um, Felipe Hase, who came from South Carolina, had a big influence on their season last year. He's a big guy that can. He's very skilled. He can pass out of the post. He can shoot. Um, and he can also score in the paint. So, you know, he's he's got a very, uh, you know, European-type game that he brings into the Southern Conference, and and I think that that's, that's going to be big for them this year. Neftali Alvarez is a great point guard. He, he can really break you down and maybe arguably the best point guard off the dribble in the Southern Conference. And I remember talking to Greg Gary in his first season. He was like, you know, that's that's a, an ability that we didn't have that we add with Neftali Alvarez. And you could really see that play out last year, especially in the conference tournament when they made that run. Uh, Kamar Robertson's another guy that I feel like is really, really quick, um, is developed his shot, you know, over the past couple seasons. And It'll be a key factor for them in providing some depth at guard. So, uh, yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that Greg Gary, I think he's done a great job of is making his team tougher. They weren't, I, I didn't think, a very tough basketball team when he got there. And now I think they they defend as well as anybody in the league and, and rebound really well. And uh, it will be interesting to see what they do this year because I do think they're one of the better perimeter shooting teams in the league.
0: Well, down so... Chris McKee here on the Undrafted Free Agent Mid Major Podcast, joined by John Hooper. You know him as Socon John. Of course, check him out on Twitter, SoconJohn22, or on Mid Major Madness um midmajormadness.com which of course is one of the premier sources for all things mid-major which is where I've written uh before and speaking one of the guys on Mercer we didn't mention Sean Walker Jr. transfer in who his father Sean Walker Sr. was the head coach at Grambling who I wrote a story I interviewed him wrote a story for mid-major madness a couple years ago
1: Yeah. yeah
0: I guess he's coaching D2 now but we got about a minute or so left just give me quickly you know, two guys for player of the year, and then uh, your your top two teams. Who's going to be there come March in the SoCon final?
1: Um, for my player of the year, I would go um, Malachi Smith for Chattanooga. I think he's a guy that that that's really proven himself. Hayden Brown for the Citadel has been a, a double double machine, and really he he kept them in a lot of games last year, and and really willed them to a thirteen and twelve record. Helped them. Uh, to that mark last year under Duger Balkum, which was one of the most improved teams in Division One basketball, I believe. And, and I, when it's all said and done, I think Chattanooga and, and Wofford, I think are the two teams that probably are going to be battling it out for the Southern Conference Championship, uh, at least in the regular season. You may th- throw, even throw a Furman in there in the, in the tournament, but I think it's really those two teams in the regular season and probably fighting it out in Asheville for, for the tournament title.
0: I'm going I'm going
1: Chattanooga and Mercer that's where I'm going I'm putting my neck on the line for that so well John
0: man thank you so much this is awesome to you know finally connect with you in person on video at least anyways (laughs) hopefully I mean if you're up for it let's do a couple more of these throughout the season we don't have to necessarily talk uh just SOCOM. we can take other mid-majors um once the season gets going but um I appreciate you so much for kind of taking the time to do this um any thoughts in closing before I let you go
1: no, I, I'm just looking forward to the season. I mean, I, I think it in this region, I've had a chance to talk to even some of the big South coaches and like Mike Morella at UNC Asheville. And um, I, I really think it's going to be a good season, um, it, both in the SOCON, the Big South, and, and really in the, the region Atlantic Sun as well. So I can't wait to to see what's, what's going to transpire. Belmont moving out of the OVC into the Missouri Valley. Now that's going to be interesting development. So... Looking forward to see what the season has to offer.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I got that press release today on the uh, the Belmont leaving. But, I mean, no yeah. surprise, but did a bit of a weird move. Maybe we'll get into that on the, on the next one coming up. So thank you so much for joining us here on the Undrafted Free Agent mid-major, Mid-Major podcast. Of course, check out undraftedfreeagent.com and check out John Hooper, SoConJohn22, or myself at Mister McKee on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. And tune in next week for the next spot. The UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugens. Dort. Oh, my. Brzezikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzezikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is, Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up all day. Kyler Filowicz, they can't stop him. Moncrie Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh.